In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, coming to you from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, where Atlanta United threw away three points with a 2-2 draw with Toronto here on Saturday. It's the third consecutive time these two teams have drawn 2-2. The second consecutive time that Toronto has pulled out a goal in the final minute for that 2-2 draw. A little housekeeping before we uh, talk to Jason Longshore of 92.9 FM and SoccerDownHere.com. The goals were scored by Sebastian Giovinco in the 46th minute, 45 plus 1 in the first half. And then Toussaint Ricketts in the 91st minute or 90 plus 1 in the second half, Atlanta United's goals were both again scored by Joseph Martinez, who now has 26 goals this season. And he's just one to tie the record, two to break the record. He won't get another chance until Atlanta United plays Columbus about 14, 15 days from now. Jason, what did you make of tonight's game? Oh, where do we start? Um, Atlanta United controlled... Let's see, there's 90 minutes. We won't talk about stoppage time. We'll just put it in a 90-minute spectrum. Uh, Atlanta United, out of those 90 minutes, controlled 88 and a half of them. I mean, I think that's pretty fair to say. When you look at Toronto, they had five shots. They had two shots on goal. They scored on both of them. Uh, They had more possession at the end after Atlanta took a lead, but first half, Atlanta dominated possession almost two-thirds to to one-third. It was a good performance from Atlanta in terms of limiting opportunities for the opposition and creating opportunities for yourself. Alex Bono made at least two outstanding saves in this game. Uh, One on Miguel Almiron in the second half on a breakaway. One on Joseph Martinez, I think, in the first half. Mm -hmm. Almiron also had a chance inside the 18 that he didn't put on goal in the first half that I thought was maybe the miss of the day. Um but I think there's a lot of sky is falling going on right now, and I I don't know. It's one of those games that will drive you crazy because you don't come out of here with the three points that you should have had, and you can look at some very specific things that went wrong, but overall it was a very good performance from Atlanta United. It's hard to reconcile all of that sometimes. So I did ask Martino in the press conference after the game, and I just posted his answer on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, that recognizing that the team still leads the league in points, is it having trouble finishing games in recent weeks? And Martino said, yeah, we've thrown away seven points mm-hmm. uh, at New England, at Dallas, and now here. So Atlanta United could easily be running away with Supporter Shield. Instead, it's in a, a four-team fight. Uh, with Dallas, uh, NYCFC, and New York Red Bulls. And then, um, you know, he said, he started talking about delay tactics that other teams tend to use to see out games 
Um, and he is, as, as I wrote, he, his voice got loud and he kind of got a little bit more serious than I've seen him really most of the time in most of his interviews. He, he takes kind of a lighthearted approach to these things, but he, he seemed pretty aggravated uh, about delayed tactics both used by Toronto and by other opponents when they play Atlanta United that they're never punished for. So Martino said that maybe we're going to start using those when we get leads to see games out. Uh, just to, to waste the time down. It was a salty answer. I don't know if it's exactly a fair answer, but it was his answer. Um, I mean, he's not wrong. And and I would actually, when you first mentioned delay tactics, I was thinking about an incident that I think Atlanta was expecting to go to video assistant referee, and it ended up being a throw-in for Atlanta on the far side. It was a cross in the first half uh from the right side that I thought came off the arm of the defender. I believe it was Mavinga from Gressel's cross. And Gressel was begging the AR for the handball. The AR said it came off his leg. Um, I didn't get a great look at it, but that was one where we... Uh, it came off his hand. But yeah. it was more ball to hand than hand to ball. His, his arm was by his side. Right. I mean, there's... But this is one that we've seen Seattle and other teams delay the play to force it to at least the referee to make some kind of acknowledgement that it's being looked at, and Atlanta didn't do that. I'm, I'm fine with that. In terms of, of seeing a win out by by basically you know stopping playing and, and getting cynical and, and playing that way, it can be effective. I, I felt like the third goal was on the table today, though. The third goal was there for Atlanta United, and Atlanta United has not dropped points when they've scored three. Yeah, I can't blame Almiron when he's behind the defense and bearing in on goal yeah. from trying to score. Uh, Viaba's miss at the end that he put about 20 rows up from about eight yards away, maybe he could have taken that to the corner. It wasn't the best angle. It was a little too to early try to, to go shoot to the from. corner, though. He could have played it back um, to keep possession. But really, when it comes down to it, Atlanta United had a five-man back line in the final minute, and Toronto got behind it which you simply cannot allow to happen. Not just one player, two players. Well, in different ways, the cross, yeah. and, But two players yeah. got behind a five-man back line. It's a, it's a back line that tried to step up. It was a, a great through ball from Sebastian Giovinco, who really didn't have a lot going on today. He made the most of the limited touches that he had. And in that play, he splits it uh, for Jonathan Osorio, making a run off the left side. Uh, I believe he got behind Julian Gressel and then is able to find Ricketts at the back post who had gotten a step on Gonzalez Perez borderline offside. There was a lot of hand checking, and that's never going to get called in that situation. Maybe a step offside, but it wasn't clear. Yeah, Julian, to his credit, uh, took responsibility uh, for allowing Osorio. What happened was... He thought Vasquez was going to step to Giovinco. Vasquez thought Gressel was going to step to Giovinco. Not Vasquez. Who? He said Vasquez. Okay. Um, and oh, okay. neither of them did. Right. And then they both decided to. And as soon as they did that, the space opened up behind them that Giovinco put the pass into for Osorio to run onto. Yeah, I saw some blame thrown at Miles Robinson for that. Miles had nothing to do with that play. He was playing in the central channel where he should have been. There was yeah, nothing the, that he could the have The only done. thing that I thought about with Miles is this is exactly like the Dallas game. Same players go off, S- same, same situation, guys come on, sure. and then the same result happens. Yeah. Uh, different different way the play unfolded yeah, at the end. Yeah. It wasn't a one person making a mistake and stepping and not committing the foul. It was, and it wasn't Miles. I don't think Miles had anything to do no, with that No, I don't think he goal. did either. Um, 
That's just more just the serendipity of the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, whose giveaway led to the first Toronto mm-hmm. goal, who allowed He's beaten at the back R- post. Ricketts to beat him to the back post, and then who got punched in the face by Mavinga at the end mm-hmm. of the game, was not in the locker room, uh, so we didn't get a chance to talk to him. That's not a – well, I guess it is a criticism of Leandro, but to be fair, he's almost always made himself available yes. after games. So I don't know why he wasn't there tonight, but he wasn't. I would have loved to speak to him, but that's why you don't see any quotes from him about what happened. Martino said he didn't really see much that happened in the scrum after the game. Almiron said he had already turned and was walking away. Didn't see Leandro get hit. Martino didn't know that Leandro had gotten hit by Mavinga either. Have you seen uh, the video? No. I've seen the video. It's um, I also I wouldn't say punched. It was more of like an open hand thrust mm-hmm. at Gonzalez Perez's face. It was a lot more than touching his face. Okay. It was was pretty malicious. I actually thought Mavinga had put his hands to Almarone's face at the very beginning of it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mavinga was completely out of control, and he's he might sabotage Toronto's chances after getting a point here. Yeah, he's been arguably their best defender. Yeah, and now he's suspended for the next game, and he might get suspended for multiple games yeah. because he didn't leave the field very quickly either. Right. Well, the game, well, the game was but over. But he kept, he kept yeah. escalating. That's yeah. the problem is that's what they can get him on. Um, it was now, a bad bad look all the way around. There's a screenshot of Josie Altidore mm-hmm. with his hand on Almiron's throat. I didn't think that that – I didn't think there was anything malicious about it. I think he was trying to get his attention yeah. and kind of trying to put his hand on his shoulder. I haven't and seen – And it ended up like that. So I, I hope that y'all don't read yeah. too much into that. I haven't seen video of that. And and a screenshot I, I can saw go it one way when it was going. video. Okay. And then I saw the screenshot. Yeah. And really, I didn't think that it was – it's going to be deserving of anything. I, I think didn't see any reaction to it. Yeah, And, and that's neither. the thing. If, if somebody grabs you in a malicious way around the throat, you're going to react. And, and Miguel didn't really react. So – I'm not too worried about that one. I think Mavinga was was really out of control at the end, kind of just strangely. Toronto was getting really frustrated, and I think the pressure was starting to to factor into Toronto because Vanny was was very animated on the touchline for a lot of the match. Um, about lost his mind on the yellow that Rometty picked up. With it was a late tackle, it was a harsh tackle from Rometty, but I don't know what Vanny was looking for in that and. Then Vasquez got up and got in Rometty's face and gave him a shove, and that's what Atlanta United's bench was going nuts about. It was a contentious match, and I think the fact that Toronto's season was really on the line today, they rescued it. They threw everything forward. The last sub with Zavaleta coming off and Telfer coming on was about as aggressive as it can possibly get because you had Mavinga flanked by two outside backs as your, your back line at that point. If Atlanta gets a third goal there, it's done. And they don't, and they get punished on the other end. This seems to be a storyline we've, we've talked about a few times. And it's something that Atlanta United, where I feel like last year, these types of mistakes were causing losses. I feel like this year, it's, it's causing draws. But that's still not what a top, top team Right, it's not does. a confidence boost. No, it's it's a, it's progression, but this year is the most competitive season in MLS history in my mind because I look at it with the Red Bulls maybe as the number four team because of the coaching change. I, I worry about Armas a little bit in tough spots. Uh, I really like NYC with Dome Torrent, and they've got a pretty comfortable schedule coming in. And 
I think Dallas might be the one who ends up winning the Shield because of the moves they've made and the Western Conference not quite as competitive. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, we, so we've only mentioned Joseph Martinez briefly. <laughs> I uh, mean, 26 goals this season. Yeah. It's insane. Two more goals. Uh, the penalty kick after he was tripped uh, by Bono. What do you think about that? Uh, I didn't think it was the toughest penalty I've ever seen. I didn't think no. it was the softest penalty I've ever seen. Exactly. I was a little stunned at Warshaw's comment that it was, I was a dive. At that. I was, I was um, shocked. Not at that. I was shocked at the second part of, of what Bobby said. And, and I had a big problem with it. And I think a lot of people did, too. We talked about it on the full-time report on 92.9. To say that Atlanta gets favoritism at home, one, is questioning the integrity of the league, and that's a bad look. Um, I don't think other league digital staffs would say things like that. I don't think the NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball digital staff would put something like that out there. And two, let's go back and talk about Kansas City and the Red Bulls matches and have those conversations. Yeah, I don't mind him saying it. I don't agree with it, but I don't mind him saying yeah, it. I would it's rather, a bad look. I would rather people express their opinions than, than toe a line. But when you're MLS digital, I think it's a different conversation. Yeah, if like, you're an independent outlet, it's it's different. And that's where it's tricky because you don't have as much national media that yeah. would be filling that role. Again, I don't really mind it. Um, but, yeah, I, I can think of three goals that Atlanta United's had called back uh, yeah. after what I thought were just horrible decisions by the referee uh, at home. I thought VAR season. was 100% correctly used today um, because none of the incidents were clear and obvious. Right. They were tough calls, but they were not clear and obvious mistakes. I thought Villarreal on the penalty was very decisive, called the penalty, pointed to the spot, walked away, had the conversation as it's being checked, as everything is supposed to happen, and then let it stand. The same at the end when, when LGP wanted that to get looked at for either offside or the, the drag down from Ricketts. I watched the replay a bunch of times. Maybe he's a step off. It's a big maybe. Right. Maybe you dragged him down a little bit. It's yeah. not clear and obvious. Yeah. VAR should not get involved in those. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Atlanta United has 48 points. Still leads the league. A lot of games. There's the first game of the weekend, so there's still all the other remaining games to be played. It won't play again until it hosts Columbus. Nineteenth. Uh, yeah, the nineteenth. So two weeks and a day from now. Um, that's going to be a huge game uh, for Atlanta United because everybody else will have played probably two games in that span. Uh, Atlanta United could could lose its lead to top MLS depending upon results. Uh, going into that Columbus game. And as you know, Columbus and Mercedes-Benz Stadium is a tough out for the five strikes, particularly when they're not closing out games. Um, One thing I'll say about Columbus, and and that was the first thing that popped in my head, is, okay, playoff game last year. But then they've played four times, including the playoff match. Columbus has not beaten Atlanta in the run of play. It was a scoreless draw, goes to penalties, you lose there. Outside of that, Columbus has not scored in the run of play against Atlanta United in four matches. Well, Columbus hadn't scored against a whole lot of teams. In the run of <laughs> but play even going back to last year. It's stunning that they're fourth in the East. With the, you know, Look at the goal score they, they've had. They're among the worst teams uh, in the East in terms of the number of goals. They get Justin Marin back, though. Yeah, that could be huge. Um, any other talking points from this game? Michael Bradley? Um, I mean... I'm trying to think. Let's actually look at the numbers for him. I thought uh, he was at times isolated. We talked about that coming in, if Atlanta would be able to create some opportunities there. 
He did have some big defensive plays, I thought. Uh, passes, only 67. That's a really good job by Atlanta United to limit that because Bradley is usually around 87 passes per match, not 67. And I thought that had a big effect on Toronto building up out of the back. They really struggled to do it because usually it's through Bradley. Um, one tackle, you know, I mean, he was getting supported a lot by Osorio, and I think that pressure on Bradley was forcing Osorio to play a lot deeper, which was a good thing. Um, I mean, we just see Bradley differently. <laughs> he always will. But he has been effective for this team. If they're going to make the playoffs, he's going to have to be even more effective than he was today. I didn't think he was bad. I didn't think he was outstanding. I thought he was a six and a half. Yeah, he was solid. A um, couple, couple big defensive plays tracking back, but then he was also two-on-ones at times. I thought Remetti in the second half was outstanding. Yeah. And I thought Remetti stepping up and with Almiron in that central role, I thought it really gave Bradley problems because it's two-on-one. Yeah, it's one of those – and this isn't Bradley's fault. If oh, you, wait, did that just come out of your mouth? No, well, let me finish. <laughs> if you were to watch Remetti and Bradley on film from tonight's game and then you were asked which player makes $6 million a year, right. it wouldn't be the guy in the Toronto jersey. Eric Rometty might be the low-key signing of the year in MLS. He's that good. I mean, the uh, fact that today... Okay. Well, he I'm not going to say that yet. He had he a good be. game, and he had a good game I'm at saying Montreal. Could be. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's a quality player. He's I'll a, say that. He's a big addition to this team who needed a little more steel in the middle of the field. You have your long-term six if, you know, depending on how long Jeff Lernowitz plays, Rometty can take over that role at some point. His inclusion gave you the flexibility today to deal with a tough situation without a right back because that was the question coming in. We all talked about 20 different ways to deal with Franco Escobar being suspended. None of us came up with this one with Kevin Kratz and Rometty with Lorenowitz going to the back line. And you only allowed two shots on goal. You'd have to say it was successful. No, I thought Rometty was outstanding. He was probably my... Second best player on the field tonight. Uh, yeah, we gave it to Joseph, man of the match. But Rometty, I thought Gressel was one of his better matches this season. Really good defensively. Until the last minute. Yep. Yeah, until that one. And that's probably why he's not in that conversation for man of the match. I thought Kratz was really good. 93% yeah, just, you know, passing. Quiet, a just quiet a, game. A Kevin Kratz kind of day. That's what he does. He created four chances, though. Yeah, I know, but still, just it's a quiet. I know. You just don't pay it. You forget that he's even out there. Miguel Almiron, what do you think of him today? Uh, he is uh, – he's had a season that I think you would characterize as a little bit wasteful. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't say he's had a disappointing season by any stretch. No, not at all. But it is a season that you look at and go, my God, it could be so much better. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair way to put it. I mean, today he had six shots, two on target, uh, three chances created – 88% passing. That's not really what you're looking at with him. He won two fouls. No tackles. Um, that's a little surprising. Usually you see more of that, but the shape today was different. Um, I thought today was maybe one of his worst days in the final third Yeah, that he's had this season. Yeah, he's he's really had some troubles uh, this season in general. I know he's got eight goals. I feel like he's pressing. Yeah, but ever since the, ever since the preseason, when, yeah. he, when he couldn't hit a battleship, from eight yards. He just hasn't been able to put the ball in the goal. He's shooting a lot more. I mean, him and Giovinco came in, and they both are the, the first two guys in the league this season to have over 100 shots. Mm. And neither one are really scoring many goals. Right. Um, Giovinco gets a goal today, not from a shot from distance. They both settle for a lot of shots from outside the 18. 
Miguel, it just it feels like he's pressing a little bit, and I want to see the shape coalesce a little bit more. And with Escobar back, we'll see what happens. But I want to see that attack. It's not so much the fact that Martinez is scoring so many goals. Today was the first day he led the team in shots, and maybe all season. Yeah, he took a lot it. of shots today, a lot more than he typically yeah, takes. Yeah, took seven, had four on target, so right. you can't really fault him. Um, no, no, no. It's just I was a little stunned at how many yeah. shots that he that he did take today. Yeah, it was an interesting one. But, of course, Toronto's defense is not very good this season. So No, I thought Zavaleta played well. I thought he dealt with Joseph probably about as well as most people do, which it's, he's, a, he's a handful. Um, we'll see what happens with Barco. I think that's a big question going forward. I think Escobar coming back in is a big help. I think depth at outside back is a big question going forward. You have a few days left in the window to maybe address it. With Zizo out, with Ambrose maybe out for a good while since he was on crutches this week. Uh, this is an interesting week in the Atlanta United world, even though they're off on the weekend. I'll go out on a limb with this this take. I think Barco starts maybe two more games the rest of the season, and that's it. And wow. one will be San Jose, either Denver or San Jose. Hmm. Um, Viaba is playing too well. I agree with that. Um, Gressel, Martino loves Gressel for a whole lot of reasons. You're not taking Almiron off, and you're not taking Martinez off. What about Bar- Rometty? You know, I'm not taking Rometty off. I either. wouldn't either. So where does Barco play? That's a good point. Um, I don't care. It might be that, off the bench. I don't care that he's 15 million bucks. No, it could um, be off the bench. It could be a big, impactful sub off the bench. And and in in all honesty, in the games before he was benched. I, I, no, I'm going to argue with you on that one. I know, I know. Because he was the number three guy in the league in creating chances in that moment. That's, that's cool. And that, he created that's a fine. ton of chances. That's his role. But for $15 million bucks, Yeah. You, create, I, you want him to create I, chances. He's a number 10. He's a playmaker. Uh, that's not what he's – you're never going to get that out of him. Well, that, he's not that player. He's a 10. Less, I think he should be. Yeah, he's not that player. He's a 10. Then they shouldn't have him on the wing. They should have him in the middle. But you can't move Miguel out to the wing yet. Yet. Yet being the key. Next year, I think, is a different conversation. I don't think Miguel's here next year. No, I think Ezekiel is your 10. Um, all right, well, we're going to wrap this up. We've been yapping at you for quite a while here. Uh, Jason, what do you have coming up? Overreaction Monday, which we'll probably have lots of overreactions on uh, Soccer Down Here. Blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here. Uh, 9 a.m. on Monday, runs till 11. If you miss it, you can catch it as a podcast. Uh, we also got other podcasts this week. Soccer over there now on Fridays, talking about the European game with Nick Alifi. That's a that's a fun one because he's a big Serie A fanatic. So I'm learning all about the Italian league and all the chaos that happens in Italy because it seems like it's full of chaos. Right. Uh, I'm going to post this when I get home. I will write out the game story a little bit more. I'll do the player ratings. I may write another sidebar, and then I'm taking a week off. <laughs> uh, I'm getting married next Saturday. The team, I think, is going to be – well, the team will train, but I don't think there's going to be any media availability this week. I'll be surprised if there is. Um, so I'm going to take a few days off, recharge the old batteries, and uh, you'll hear back from me in about a week and a few days. And early congratulations. Uh, thanks, Jason. Uh, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. You can find me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast. I hope you'll rate this podcast, Southern Fried Soccer. I hope you'll tell your friends about this podcast, Southern Fried Soccer. But most importantly, 
I hope you'll click on the links. I hope you'll subscribe to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And that's it. Atlanta United 2, Toronto 2 on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium.